It was about 10 years ago in Bullhead City, Arizona, and the city officials wanted to honor and thank all the veterans of the city with a uh, massive uh, ceremony to celebrate the sacrifice that the veterans had done for their country. And the ceremony was going to end with the lighting of an eternal flame that would be set in the center of the park to uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, honor and thank the veterans that had served their country. Everything was going great for the first couple of days. The flame was burning. It was working well. Everybody was remembering and, and thanking the veterans for what they had done. And then about a month later, they get the first gas bill. $961 for the eternal flame to burn eternally. And you guessed it, they turned the flame off right away. The eternal flame was no more. And of course, the veterans were a little upset with this. And so they go back to the city officials and, and they began brainstorming a few ways uh, to make the eternal flame still happen. They talked about getting a smaller burner or burning the eternal flames for only special occasions and special moments. Great idea, great intentions, but somebody forgot to count the cost. In 1987, construction on a brand new building in North Korea started. It was going to be the 22nd largest building in the world at that time. It was going to be 3.9 million square feet, have 105 stories and over 3,000 rooms. Uh, the building was started because South Korea had recently undertaken a big project as well. And North Korea was not going to be outdone. And so they start this project and they poured 2% of their economy into this building. But when you go back and look at pictures from that time zone from 1987 to 1992, you can tell that the building has actually been airbrushed or photoshopped out of the skyline. They ran into some engineering problems and eventually ran out of money. Somebody forgot to count the cost and that building sat vacant for almost 10 years. Oh, we're going to start a brand new series today and we're calling it Unbalanced, uh, which might seem a little strange coming from a church. Like, you know, usually we're all about balance. Like we want you to balance your finances and your budget. We want you to balance your health and, and your, your diet. We want you to balance your work and family life. Usually when you come to church, we're all about being balanced. But there's one area in life, one area in faith where it's actually okay and somewhat even encouraged to be unbalanced. You see, there was this letter written in the, in the er first century of the early church. It was called the Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. And in this letter, uh, the author introduces us to some great heroes of faith, people who lived an incredible life, completely abandoned to Jesus. And here's how he introduces these great heroes of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see through their faith. The people in days of old earned a good reputation. See, right off the bat, we see that these people of old, these people who had abandoned everything to follow Jesus, earned a good reputation among the people they lived around because of their faith. And according to the writer of Hebrews, faith is a belief or an action uh, that we take towards evidence that we can't necessarily see, but it's something we believe in. We, we can't see the truth of it, but we believe that the evidence points to this thing. For example, you can't see wind but you can feel wind on your skin. You've seen the after effects of wind. You've seen your hair messed up by the wind. You can't see wind, but you believe wind to be true. That's faith. Well, how about this? You ever, you ever met somebody with stinky breath? You can't see that, 
but you sure as heck can smell it. I've met some people where my eyes water and my nose hairs are singed at the tips because, man, that breath is stinky and you need a Tic Tac. You can't see stinky breath, but you sure as heck know it's there. You know that it's true. And a lot of us, we might say, man, I'll believe it when I see it. And we're skeptical about everything. And we're even more skeptical when it comes to faith in Jesus, faith in God and believing and trusting that what he says is true and believing and trusting that it's worth following him. Did God really create everything in the universe? Was Jesus really a man? Was he fully God? Did he really die on the cross and was he resurrected to new life? Look, those are good questions to ask. We need an informed faith. And the reason those are such powerful, important questions to ask is because if you decide that they are true, when you then decide to follow Jesus, it will require a totally different philosophy of life. Total different philosophy of life because the world says acquire as much wealth as possible. Get the biggest house that you can. Sleep with whoever you'd like. Do whatever you want. Uh, give, uh, keep everything for yourself. Climb the social ladder and live your truth. And in one whisper, Jesus comes up to us and says, take up your cross and follow me. And he totally flips the ethics of the world on its head and gives us a whole new philosophy of life to live by. It's no longer about climbing the social ladder, but descending the ladder in service towards others. It's not about acquiring as much wealth as possible, but giving till it hurts. And it's not about living your truth, but it's about believing God is the truth. And to live like that in a world that says, do all this th stuff to make you happy, to live counter to that takes faith. And when the outside world looks in and the outside world sees you completely abandoned to Jesus, they're going to look at your life and they're going to say, man, that seems unbalanced. And I don't think there's ever a better time in history to be unbalanced in our faith than in the middle of a pandemic. There's never a better time to be unbalanced than when we can show our love and our hope is in Jesus so that we don't have to fear and, and we can trust that he is good and that he is our reward. We can trust him. There's never a better time to be unbalanced than in a pandemic. In fact, from the beginning of Jesus's ministry, it was evident that it was going to be tough to follow Jesus. It was going to require guts. It was going to require uh, risk. It was going to require leaving your comfort zone for some discomfort. Let me show you one of the first calls that he makes. It's to a couple of fishermen in Matthew chapter four, verse 18. He says this, uh, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. I mean, I mean, think about this. These are common uh, everyday men. They fish for a living. They spend most of their day out on the sea. And this was their livelihood. This was their career. This was their living. This is the only thing that they had knew. This was the only life they knew. And then Jesus comes along and he says, hey, just drop all that. You, you don't need the boat. You don't need the net. You don't need any of that anymore. I just want you to forget everything and follow me. And they were like, Okay. I mean, what? Why, why would you do that? Why would you give up your career? Why would you give up your livelihood, your source of income, your boat, your net, your fishing rod? Why would you give up all the best fishing holes to follow Jesus? I mean, that is an unbalanced response. That does not make sense to us. 
It gets a little more intense. Matthew chapter eight, verse 19. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Here's Jesus' response. Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to even lay his head. Does it sound like Jesus is too quick to gain new followers? He's telling them, if you follow me, you're not going to have a house. You might not even have a pillow or a place to lay your head. Let me just point something out to you that I want to be totally upfront and honest about if you're thinking about following Jesus. And that is that if you are following Jesus, you won't hear this very often, but you are not guaranteed an easy life. Following Jesus is not easy. I've been following him uh, for most of my life. And I can tell you following Jesus is not easy because when you decide to follow Jesus, you are accepting a call to abandon yourself. That's what these men were accepting when they decided to follow Jesus, that they would not prioritize themselves, but they would abandon themselves in total commitment and total followership of Jesus. They were leaving certainty for uncertainty. They were leaving safety for danger and they were leaving comfort for discomfort. And history actually tells us the result. Almost everyone in this book who decided to follow Jesus would pay for it with their lives. They were willing to risk everything to follow Jesus. They were willing to risk their comfort to following Jesus. And many might tell you, and they're wrong, that if you just follow Jesus, everything will be fine. If you just send in your 1099 and you name it and proclaim it, you will get exactly what you want and you will be happy, you will be satisfied and nothing bad will ever happen to you. And nothing, absolutely nothing could be further from the truth because following Jesus isn't easy. So if you're on the fence about following Jesus, I want to give you full disclosure before you decide on full surrender that things are not necessarily promised to be easy. I want you to be able to count the cost before you make this decision to follow Jesus. Because when you decide to follow Jesus, you are not guaranteed safety. You are not guaranteed a home. You are not guaranteed food or water. You are not guaranteed pain-free living, comfort. You are not guaranteed everything you've ever wanted, the American dream. And you are not even guaranteed immunity from a disease. In fact, the heroes of the faith, if you read through all this book and you look at all the people who were were great heroes of the faith who followed God, you'll see that not one of them had an easy road ahead of them. Every one of them faced trials. Every one of them faced people who were against them because faith at its core is countercultural. Faith at its core requires unbalanced. The heroes of our faith were tortured. They were beaten. They were arrested. They were ridiculed. They were imprisoned. And yet we get mad when the coffee isn't hot enough or the songs are too old or too loud or if the sermon is too short or too boring or if the chairs weren't quite comfortable enough. And we we drive to church in our fancy cars and we have all of this comfort surrounding us. And we look back on the history of, of heroes of the faith and we see their life was not easy. We are Christians living in the age of comfort. And here's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is that comfort is the enemy of faith. Comfort is the enemy of faith. And I know this sounds crazy. Like it's not every day you hear somebody stand up and say, uh, you you shouldn't be comfortable. In fact, I'm going to pray for your uncomfortableness. Like I saw that vacation you went on last week and and I saw those pictures and I saw you chillaxing by the pool. And I just got to tell you, man, you looked like you relaxed a little too much. You had a little too much rest. In fact, I'm going to start praying that you would get uncomfortable. You don't hear that very often. 
And in a way, that's not even what I'm saying today. See, the modern luxuries that we enjoy, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. We need rest. We need vacation. We need to relax. We need time with the family. We need to have barbecues so that we can invite the neighbors over. Yes, we need all those things. Look, when I talk about comfort being the enemy of faith, what I'm talking about is this path, this desire, this, this uh, belief that we have that we deserve an easy, stress-free life. That's what I'm talking about when I say comfort, that, that we need to abandon this idea that we are guaranteed and we are owed a comfort, uh, a life of comfort, the easiest path possible. Because what I know is that Jesus did not come to have the easiest path. He did not come to have a, a balanced life or to retire in luxury. Now, Jesus came to fulfill a mission. Jesus gave up all the comfort in the universe to be uncomfortable so that you and I may live. Jesus was surrounded by dirty barns, dirty people, and dirty politicians. Jesus spent time with everything you and I try to avoid. Jesus gave up comfort to be uncomfortable on our behalf. I mean, think about this. We celebrate and worship and revere a man who went through so much discomfort all the while we try to be as comfortable as possible. Doesn't that seem just a smidge hypocritical that we worship a man who, who, who knew the most discomfort the world has ever seen all the while we try to be as comfortable as possible. And if we want to get unbalanced in our faith and we want to have a, a good reputation, so to speak, from our love and the way we follow Jesus, then we have to learn to lay down our comfort and embrace discomfort if that's what God calls us to. See, we need the courage to say, no matter what, I'll follow you, Jesus. Because here's the deal. While comfort is the enemy of faith, I know that our faith thrives in discomfort. Our faith thrives in discomfort. Like I said, not one hero of the faith, not one person in the Bible had an easy road as they were following Jesus because faith at its core is countercultural. And I think when you know that beforehand, when, when we're honest with that up front, it makes following Jesus a little more understandable. It makes it a little easier because then we can anticipate and we can expect the trial. We can expect the pain. Look, yes, if you follow Jesus, you may have to abandon everything. You may lose your house or home. You may get rejected by your friends or your family members. The worst that could happen is you may die for your faith. That, that could happen if you decide to follow Jesus. And so I want to tell you, don't be surprised when things get tough. Expect it. But expect it knowing that the reward of following Jesus is far greater, far more than anything this world has to offer. Because that's what we want to know, right? Like if Jesus is calling me to such fanatic uh, devotion, if he's calling me to abandon everything, is there a reward involved for my sacrifice? Uh, like I, I save my money. I, I don't buy all the things that I'm online shopping for while I'm isolated. I, I save my money now because I trust compound interest to give me a greater reward in the future. I slaved through four years of college because I knew that sacrificing that time then would give me a more fulfilling job now. I compromise and sacrifice in my relationships. Well, because a happy wife is a happy life, right? We sacrifice things now all the time for a greater reward that's coming to us in the future. We do it every day of our lives. 
And the same is true with Jesus. Yeah, yes, we may be giving up good things. We may be giving up a house or or the career or the reputation or the power or the fame or the friendship or the family. We may be giving up those things to follow Jesus, but the reward is eternal relationship, eternal life, eternal love with Jesus. That's the reward we get. We give up something good now for something greater later. Jesus tells this story about a man. Uh, He's walking in the field. And as he's walking in this field, he trips on something under his feet. And he looks down and it's this great treasure. This great treasure had been buried underneath the earth. Uh, Imagine today you're walking in a field and, and you have a similar experience. And you look down and you discover it's an underground warehouse full of toilet paper. You just hit the jackpot. You're the richest man in the world. Now that's what's going on with this guy. And luckily this field was abandoned. And so he's looking around, making sure nobody sees. And sure enough, nobody's out there. Nobody wants this field. So he covers up the warehouse of toilet paper uh, with the dirt. And he goes running into town and he starts selling everything. He's selling the house. He's selling the TV. He's selling the couch, his bed. He's been isolated from society and cooped up with the kids. He's even trying to sell his kids. He's trying to sell everything so that he can go buy that piece of property. And while he's selling it, his friends and his neighbors and the villagers are coming up to him. They're saying, what are you doing, bro? Why why are you selling everything? Why are you going crazy? Have you been cooped up too long? Like what's going on? You know, that field is worthless. You know, that that's never been successful for anybody who's tried. Why are you selling everything to buy this junk field? And you just smile. You smile because you know, deep down, you're not losing anything, but you're gaining everything. You know that, that yes, you may be selling things, but the reward that awaits for you in that field is far greater than anything this world has. So with joy in your heart, with joy, you abandon, you sell everything so that you can buy this field because you have found something worth losing everything for because you are gaining a much greater reward. Listen to me. That is the reward that you and I have in Christ. That is the reward that we have in his love. That is the reward that we have in Christ. That even if we lose everything, even if we lose our lives, we still have Jesus for eternity. Christ lived the uncomfortable life. He came, he was falsely arrested. He was beaten. He had his clothes stripped from his back. He was hung on a cross. He suffered a brutal death. He went into the grave and three days later, he resurrected. Christ lived the most uncomfortable life so that all of us could be saved. He gave up everything for everyone. And he is the reward that we are promised. Jesus is the reward that we get when we get unbalanced. That's what we have to look forward to. He's the something greater that we have and we can give up everything because he's worth it. We can give up everything because we know he loves us. Well, we've had several new viewers over the last several weeks who are viewing us online And so through this series, we're going to introduce you to ways to be unbalanced, faithful ways to be unbalanced. And I just wanted to lay the groundwork for you today of kind of what this call encompasses. It's a bold call to to lay down comfort and embrace Jesus and to live an unbalanced life of faith. So we just want you to know what you're getting into. And whether you're uh, new to uh, to watching uh, Crosspoint online or you've been uh, following Jesus for your whole life, what it really comes down to is two questions. These are two questions that I have to ask myself every day because as I was writing and preparing this message, I realized I'm not very good at setting down my comfort to follow Jesus. So here are the two questions we have to ask. Number one, do I believe Jesus? Do I believe him? 
Do I believe that there's an eternal reward waiting for me? Do I believe that he will be with me no matter what, even when things are tough? Do I believe that? And number two, if I do believe Jesus, will I obey Jesus? Do I believe Jesus and will I obey Jesus? Because what he's asking me to do and what he's calling me into is hard. It ain't easy, but it's worth it. Because Jesus has called us into something far greater than comfort. He's called us into something far greater than a career or a hobby or an American dream. Jesus has called us into purpose. Last night I came across the story of a bus driver in New York City who'd been driving the same route for almost 21 years. And recently his dad passed away due to the coronavirus and 68 other uh, coworkers and employees had also been affected and even died uh, from the coronavirus. And in the interview, he said, I'm terrified. I'm scared every single morning when I get up to go to work. I've been driving this bus for 21 years. I've never been more scared in my life. But every day he gets up and drives his bus. And then he said, I'm more scared than I've ever been, but I feel more important and more fulfilled than I ever have. And the, the joy of serving people overcomes my fear. The, the courage of helping people overcomes my fear. Look, if, if we want to, if we want to follow Jesus and if we want to live an unbalanced life that shows love and hope in Jesus to the world, then we need courage to overcome our comfort. We need faith to trust that Jesus is worth it, that he is the reward worth giving everything for. Jesus has called us into partnering with him. He's called us into purpose, into a life of fulfillment. He's called us to obey him. And yes, it requires getting uncomfortable. And yes, it requires giving up good things, but it means we have something greater later. And it means saying, Jesus, I'll lay down my comfort and I will follow you wherever you go. I will love whoever I can and I will do whatever it takes to help more people know your love and know who you are. Even if it means discomfort and even if it means seeming unbalanced. Heavenly Father, we believe that Jesus gave up everything so that we could live. Jesus abandoned everything so that everyone could have his love and have a relationship with him. And he's called us to do the same, to follow him. And God, when we decide to follow him, it's not him leaving us, but he's with us because we're right behind him following him. So when the tough times come, when the trials come, when the abandonment happens, when the rejection happens, when those things happen, God, we know that you are right there with us. You are with us in the discomfort. You are with us in the tragedy. And we know that enduring all of it is worth it because we have Jesus for eternity. God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for uh, allowing him to give up a life of comfort to become discomfortable so that I may live and so that all my friends may live as well. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We follow you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.